episode 189 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about February 2022. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as the John Durham investigation, principles in politics, Ukraine, Hunter Biden's laptop, or happiness comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest Podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. So let's start with the biggest story of February 2022, then continuing into March, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Check out episode 186 for an overview of how we got here. By way of a recap, here's what I'll call a geopolitical Mad Libs. Suppose Russia launched a coup in Mexico, deposed the current government, and replaced it with a pro-Russian government. Then suppose Russia accused the United States of war crimes, i.e. interfering in their elections and hacking one of their major political parties' servers, both of which are known to be lies. What if that major political party, let's just call it the Democratic Party, spent the next four years accusing the current president of Russia of colluding with the United States, launched a multi-year investigation, and eventually impeached said president over the allegations? all of which were known lies. Then suppose the Russians, along with some other countries, all members of an anti-American military alliance, let's call it NATO, rolled tanks and armaments up to the Mexico border with the United States. If you were to replace the word Russia with United States, and replace the words United States and American with Russia, and replace the word Mexico with Ukraine, what you are left with is the current Ukraine-Russian war. The propaganda is thick on all sides. It's quite remarkable. As you watch the mainstream media discuss the invasion, you hear a consistent message. Putin is a deranged, lunatic, devil-like figure, much like Trump was portrayed, except he never started a war. And Ukraine is an innocent little victim with a brave president willing to be in foxholes with his military. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, activated its response force for the first time ever. The response force is being activated as part of a larger deterrence efforts along the alliance's eastern front amid the invasion of Russia of Ukraine. Of course, Ukraine's not a member of NATO, so despite the hype this story got, it means nothing to Ukraine. The dirty little secret is NATO which was created in 1949 in the aftermath of World War II to counter the Soviet Union which, as you may recall, ceased to exist as of 1989, never dissolved. That is, NATO never dissolved. And that is the primary reason there is war in Ukraine today. Not only did NATO not dissolve when its reason for existence disappeared, its membership has more than doubled since the inception, virtually surrounding Russia's eastern borders. I bet you didn't hear that on the nightly news. 
To give you a sense of how serious the Biden administration has taken the invasion of Ukraine, Biden personally lobbied Democrat members of Congress to vote against Ted Cruz's bill to sanction Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which they did, voting against it. Well, that's weird. Seems like you would want to cut off one of Putin's biggest sources of income. Oh, and it gets worse. Turns out the United States is currently importing hundreds of thousands of barrels of oil from Russia. Do the math. A barrel of oil is what, 100 to $110 a barrel, multiplied by hundreds of thousands every week? That's a lot of money to be sent into an irrational madman, wouldn't you agree? After all, it was just 13 short months ago that the U.S. was a net exporter of oil and natural gas. Wouldn't it be prudent to allow drilling on federal lands, roll back punitive regulations on drillers, and open the Keystone XL pipeline? At the end of the day, the sanctions levied by the Biden administration against the American people are exponentially worse than those levied against Russia. Think about it. Open borders, lockdowns, vaccine mandates, restrict the use of off-label repurposed drugs to fight COVID, close domestic pipelines, increase regulations on drilling, end drilling leases on federal lands, import oil from Russia, print trillions of dollars, and cause mass inflation. At the end of the day, my guess is Putin will negotiate and give up his positions in western Ukraine, including the capital, and retain the two eastern provinces, which was what he was after to begin with. Up until this point in the war, as of the end of February, he's demonstrated that he can go to Kiev, basically saying, don't F with me anymore. But he has shown remarkable restraint for a madman, as the civilian population has thus far been spared of mass casualties, unlike the way the U.S. went into Iraq. I will note that as I am preparing this episode, a couple of quasi-civilian targets have been hit by missiles. One was a government building, and others were near cell towers that the Russians warned were going to be hit. Who knows what will happen in the coming weeks, but that's where we're at today. The second biggest story of the month was the trucker convoy in Canada in protests of the vaccine mandates. It was completely peaceful, unlike the BLM Antifa protests during the summer of 2020, that Prime Minister, I mean dictator Trudeau actually endorsed. The dude actually kneeled at one of the rallies in solidarity with the protesters. The convoy pretty much bottled up the capital city of Ottawa for a couple weeks until dictator Trudeau took control like all good dictators do. Here's the backstory. See, President Biden has the same vaccine mandate on U.S. truckers as the Canadians do on theirs. We have Biden who encourages unvaxxed, illegal immigrants to come to America, but our citizen truck drivers must take the experimental vaccine or lose their job. I guess that makes sense to a totalitarian. Anyway, we had signs of the protesters making progress throughout various Canadian cities. For example, on February 9th, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe announced that all proof of vaccine mandates across the province will be lifted on the 14th, with mask requirements ceasing by the end of the month. On February 10th, however, a White House official said the Biden administration had urged Canada's government to use its federal powers to respond to the protests blocking access points across the country's mutual border. On February 14th, dictator Justin Trudeau invoked the Emergencies Act to disperse the protests. Deputy Prime Minister Christina Freeland announced a number of measures to freeze the bank accounts of entities involved in the protests. They threatened pro-Trumpers who supported the protests. That's kind of weird, huh? 
One member of parliament suggested that the trucks of protesters that were seized by law enforcement, i.e. private property, be sold to cover the cost of the protests. Within a one-month period of time, dictator Trudeau referred to the truck convoy as a fringe minority. Then he invoked this wartime emergency powers act. Taking a page out of the insane leftists here in America who hate people who have differing opinions than them, Trudeau called the protesters Nazis and pointed out that they flew Confederate flags. Oh no, not a Confederate flag. On February 21st, a majority of the Canadian Parliament sided with Trudeau's tyranny and upheld the Unprecedented Emergencies Act in a 185 to 151 vote. Two days later, Trudeau announced he revoked the measure completely. Speculation has it that there weren't enough votes in the Senate to uphold the act, and there were runs on Canadian banks after they started freezing the accounts of protesters and donors. What's up with the freezing of bank accounts anyways? Well, TD Bank froze two accounts set up to support the trucker convoy. As the month progressed, they also froze accounts of individuals working with the convoy, as I mentioned. I want to pause here and make a point that this is a precursor to how totalitarians will treat dissenters with a digital currency. You know, that's all the rage now. Can you imagine living in a cashless, cryptoless, or goldless society where every transaction you make is traceable and ultimately the government has the ability to shut down or freeze your accounts? I can't see anything going wrong with that. The crowdfunding site GoFundMe which I have renamed Go F Yourself, announced that they are going to take the money donated to the trucker convoy and donate it to a charity of their choosing rather than deliver the funds to the truckers. After a significant public uproar, they refunded the donations. Keep in mind, GoFundMe, or I mean Go F Yourself, never treated BLM and Antifa-type fundraising efforts like they are treating the trucker convoy. Get woke, go broke. Or we can at least hope that'll be the case with GoFundMe. I wrote this on Facebook. Prediction. 12 months from now, GoFundMe is either out of business completely or a minor player in the fundraising space. Do not do business with either of these companies, TD Bank or GoFundMe. So after GoFundMe showed their ass, people started donating to another crowdfunding site that doesn't discriminate based on political ideology, Give, Send, Go. And what did the totalitarians do? Well, the government of the province of Ontario in Canada successfully sought a court order to freeze over $8 million in funds made to the Freedom Convoy on the Give, Send, Go platform. The Ontario Superior Court of Justice ordered that all donations made through the Freedom Convoy 2022 and the Adopt-a-Trucker campaign on that platform be frozen until further notice. As the month progressed, Give, Send, Go confirmed that the funds had been released to the trucker entities. While the trucker convoy was concluding in Canada, the American version set off for D.C. from California with a projected arrival date around March 5th. The truckers will not go into D.C. proper given the treatment of January 6th protesters. Smart move. Moving on to COVID news. Early in the month, leftists in country after country and city after city started relaxing mask and vaccine restrictions, claiming that the science had changed. Let's be real, the only science that changed was the political science. As one pundit put it, who knew the cure for COVID was Biden's internal polling numbers? Another said, who knew a war halfway around the world was the cure for COVID? Both valid points. 
One of the reasons the crazy leftists are relaxing COVID restrictions is the narrative has completely crumbled. Last month, we had studies confirming that masks don't work. In February, we had John Hopkins' meta-analysis on lockdowns that concluded the following. Lockdowns have had little to no public health effects. They have imposed enormous economic and social costs where they have been adopted. In consequence, lockdown policies are ill-founded and should be rejected as a pandemic policy instrument. They have contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. Such a standard benefit cost calculation leads to a strong conclusion. Lockdowns should be rejected out of hand as a pandemic policy instrument. On top of that, during the month of February, more studies came out about the effectiveness of ivermectin in the treatment of COVID. Those reports were not highlighted on the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, as you might have suspected. Nor on NPR, nor on the pages of the New York Times. The next COVID shooter drop will be the adverse effects of the vaccine on military personnel. On February 1st, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson sent a letter to Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin highlighting the dramatic rise in adverse events reported in the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database, DMED, after vaccines were rolled out. We are watching the rest play out in real time as the brass scrambles to respond. Three U.S. military doctors have blown the whistle on documents allegedly from the United States Department of Defense that they had access to, which show skyrocketing rates of disease since the introduction and mandating of the virus vaccines in armed forces. Like the rest of the federal government, they will likely cover up this potential scandal, like all things COVID, for the last two years. So it turns out that scientists found a small pattern of genetic material in COVID-19 spike protein patented by Moderna in February of 2016. The study, published in the Frontiers in Virology Journal, was conducted by an international team of researchers. They asserted that there is a 1 in 3 trillion chance Moderna's sequence randomly appeared during natural evolution. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy and his entire family tested positive for COVID, proving yet again that what we are putting in our arms is not a vaccine because vaccines protect you from contracting the disease in which you were vaccinated against. This is the same guy who has said vaccinated Americans need to wear masks to protect the unvaxxed, the same guy who has lectured Americans on COVID safety measures while never citing any specific scientific studies, just like Fauci, while calling for the censorship of Joe Rogan because he talks to people who don't bend over and ask for more lies to be shoved up their ass from the likes of Murphy, Fauci, and the entire federal apparatchet. The New York Times reported that the CDC is withholding some COVID data. Their explanation for doing such basically comes down to the fact that all of us rubes would not be able to handle the truth. We all know the real reason. The vaccine mandate drumbeat narrative would have crumbled many months ago had the information been made public. Or they are sinister evil liars. Or both. The LA Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. Besides being a great game, the most notable thing about the game was not a single celebrity in attendance wore a mask despite the game being played in California, which still maintained a mask mandate at the time, proving once and for all that the mask is nothing more than a symbol of faith, a religious symbol, if you will, like a yarmulke worn by Jews or a cross necklace worn by Christians. It's the Covidian cult symbol of faith. Speaking of the Super Bowl, the GOAT, the greatest of all time quarterback Tom Brady, announced his retirement during the month. 
Amazon's charity arm removed BLM from its platform after the Marxist organization fell under investigation for fiscal malfeasance. Seems all those millions of dollars donated to the cause went into the pocket of a few of their so-called leaders. Turns out these self-prescribed Marxists were really just your run-of-the-mill financial shysters. Joe Rogan came under fire during the month for talking to guests on his number one rated podcast who do not subscribe to the government's narrative about COVID. You can always tell who is speaking the truth by who the National Democrats want censored. They censor because they are unable to defend their policy prescriptions in the arena of ideas, i.e. debate and conversation. It's the proverbial universal parental decree, because I said so. Big Tech continues to collude with the National Democrats, making this a constitutional issue. Sure, private companies can censor, but private companies cannot censor at the behest of the federal government because of something called the First Amendment. Joe Rogan is only the latest. It all started with Alex Jones because no one was going to stand up for his free speech rights. From there, the fascist Big Tech censors worked their way through quacks not necessarily on par with Jones, but no more defensible. Then they started feeling bold. America's frontline doctors, Trump, Parler, Brighteon, Dr. Malone, Margie Taylor Greene, Dan Bongino. Here's what Rogan had to say to his detractors. The answer is not to silence me. The answer is for you to do better. The answer is for you to have better arguments when you're on television talking about how I was taking horse paste, and you know that's not true. What you should have said, how did Rogan get better so quick? How come he got COVID that's killing everybody and he was better in five days, negative in five days, working in six days? How come that's never discussed? He continued, if you're in business and your business is the news and you want to get more people to pay attention, you should be honest. And my thoughts for CNN, my advice to them, I don't hate CNN. I used to go to them every day for the news until they started effing hating me on me. What we can learn from the attacks on Joe Rogan. Number one, the left still refuses to defend their policies in an open, honest debate. They are intellectual midgets and cowards because they know a well-informed sophomore in high school can pick their agenda apart in 10 minutes. Number two, Rogan is more powerful than the combined bully pulpits of the resident of the United States, the CDC, Fauci, the NIH, the FDA, and the entire alphabet soup conspiracy media. No wonder they are foaming at the mouth crazy and trying to get him censored. In the last episode, number 188, I outlined the findings in a court filing by Special Prosecutor John Durham, who was appointed by then Attorney General Bill Barr to investigate the Russia collusion investigation. I encourage you to listen to that episode if you're interested. Bottom line, there was a bunch of shady and illegal shit going on with the Hillary campaign, the intelligence community, and some technology companies all colluding to spy on Trump and his campaign looking for dirt. Biden's mental capacity continues to deteriorate. The guy reads off the teleprompter with no attempt to pretend he's engaging the audience by moving his head left to right like normally functioning speakers do. Even at his so-called press conferences, he reads a prepared statement and scurries off to avoid taking questions. If the guy wasn't so corrupt and so sold his soul to the devil evil, I might feel sorry for him. Meanwhile, Democrats who question Trump's mental abilities demonstrate their lack of character or credibility or principles by remaining moot about Biden's obvious, rapid downhill mental slide. Donald Trump's social media site Truth Social launched during the month and topped the download charts. 
Hundreds of thousands of people were put on a wait list as they slowly onboard users. The insane asylum known as the Island of Australia reopened for tourists after, I think, two years. Check out episode 176, The Truth About Australia, The COVID Nightmare, to see if I'm exaggerating. Leah Thomas, a biological male who identifies as a female, is a collegiate swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania. He's breaking all sorts of women's records, and the sicko leftists in this country cannot find a damn thing wrong with that. I mean, aren't these the same people who claim to be pro-women's rights? They fight the good fight over the non-existent gender pay gap and all that bullshit? But they have no problem destroying women's sports? I have no way of comprehending that line of thinking. I put this on Facebook. Please explain to me why the normals should be forced to coexist with those who think it is perfectly normal for biological men to compete in women's sports and to use the women's locker rooms and restrooms. Tyranny of the minority is still tyranny. States like South Dakota are taking matters into their own hands by passing bills prohibiting boys from participating in girls' sports. The Winter Olympics concluded in China. These games coined the genocide games for the treatment of the Uyghur people and other ethnic minorities in China. Concentration camps, torture, rape, forced sterilization, and even death. Here in the United States, NBC reported dismal ratings as few watched the games. Resident Biden nominated Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. Since Biden made it clear that he was going to nominate a black female rather than the most qualified candidate, if confirmed, she will always be known as the Associate Justice with a question mark next to her name. Was she nominated because of her pigment color and gender, or because she was the most qualified? Silly me, I thought discrimination was bad and illegal in America. I mean, how can Biden discriminate against all male candidates for the court? How can he discriminate against Asians, white, Puerto Rican, Russian, Japanese, Korean women? The official rate of inflation hit 7.5% during the month. The real rate, if calculated the same way as it was in the 1980s, before the federal government changed the calculations and so it wouldn't include food and energy, you know, stuff that we buy every day, is over 15%, and it's even closer to 20 if calculated as it was in the 1970s. Anyone who buys gas or groceries knows prices are up more than 7.5%. It's just a continuation of the propaganda war our government wages against us on a daily basis, their primary weapon being the weaponization of ignorance. James Pollard, president of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, said the quiet part out loud, suggesting that it might be time for the Fed to institute a full percentage point of rate hikes over the next three meetings. He warned that policymakers could be making a mistake by thinking that inflation would dissipate, particularly after incorrectly arguing for much of last year that higher prices would be transitory. You can file that one under no shit Sherlock or better late than never or willful negligence. I lean towards the latter. Anyone with a middle school understanding of economics and monetary policy could see this coming years ago. Skyrocketing prices are the result of inflation. Inflation is the result of an increase in the money supply. The money supply is increased primarily by the Federal Reserve buying bonds issued by the United States Treasury. No conflict of interest there. Who's to blame for this mess? The Washington establishment. Few of them ever move to reduce federal spending. Few of them call for the abolition of unconstitutional, redundant, inefficient federal agencies. Few vote against the annual increase in the debt ceiling. None of them propose raising taxes to pay for all the spending, which is what we used to do when we had sound money under the gold standard. 
While we're on the topic of inflation, let's talk a little bit about gas prices in relation to the Russia-Ukraine war. As I mentioned earlier, the propaganda is thick. We are told by Democrats and the alphabet soup conspiracy media, I know, I repeated myself, we are told by these clowns that Russian tanks rolling into Ukraine in February 2022 are the cause of higher gas prices, general inflation, and a supply chain problem when all of those things have been going on for the better part of a year. Let's play connect the dots to explain gas prices in the context of the war in Ukraine. A small but loud fringe contingent of the Democrat Party is comprised of environmental wackos, Green New Dealers. This is the global cooling, global warming, climate change, extreme weather kooks. Those that have been telling us for decades that the seas are going to rise over Miami and the world is going to end in 10 years if we don't do something right now. They think fossil fuels are destroying the planet, therefore their ultimate goal is to end its use. I know, I know, wind and solar and electric cars are not going to solve the problem for obvious natural and technology-related reasons, but this is these people's religion, so don't bother bombarding them with evidence. So for decades, they have blocked the building of new nuclear power plants in the United States, the cleanest form of energy. They enthusiastically endorsed the non-binding Paris Accords without the participation of the two worst polluting countries on the planet. Their celebrity cheerleaders fly private jets around the world without a word being said about their carbon footprint. Fast forward to Biden's first day in office. Now remember, at this point, the United States was energy independent, meaning we were net exporters of oil and natural gas. No need to import because we had extra. What were gas prices on Trump's last day in office? $1.80 or something like that? Anyway, Biden's first order of business killed the Keystone XL pipeline that brought oil from Canada down to refineries here in the States. Now that oil will be shipped by truck or train, which of course is more expensive, more prone to spillage and accidents, and requires, wait for it, fossil fuels to fuel the trains and the trucks. I know, I know. I'm employing logic and critical thinking here. Then, Biden killed drilling leases on federal lands, which account for about 25% of the country's oil production. And he imposed additional regulations and restrictions on drilling. Voila! The impact on the world oil market was dramatic. And as you may recall, the kicker is, we are importing oil from Russia right now. We are shit-talking Biden 24-7 on all networks, but wiring his country billions of dollars. I wrote this on Facebook, Obama, 2008. Under my plan of cap-and-trade system, electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. Biden, 2022. Under my plan of shutting down domestic pipelines, ending drilling leases on federal lands, reimposing restrictive regulations, and importing record amounts of oil from Russia, all energy prices will necessarily skyrocket. A former Black Lives Matter activist, a 21-year-old black man, was charged with attempted murder after allegedly opening fire on a Jewish Democrat mayoral candidate in Louisville, Kentucky. A bail fund associated with BLM raised the $100,000 bond for the shooter. Now, don't get any ideas about the media pursuing the hate crime angle of this crime. Black BLM type trying to kill a Jewish guy? And finally, CNN President Jeff Zucker abruptly resigned on February 2nd in the fallout from the investigation into former anchor Chris Cuomo, who had already been let go. CNN has struggled with ratings since Trump left office and has fired or forced out multiple employees accused of improper behavior, including several producers charged or accused of illegal conduct related to minors.
what's up with the pervs working at CNN? And that's the truth about February 2022. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.